what danger is there in arguing in front of your children? Like you said, there's different levels of an argument. Hello, and welcome to the Parenthood Pod. I'm your host, Leonia Kidanor, and every week I will bring you conversations that aim to smash the stigma on struggles we face as parents. This segment is The Vault, where we ask you, our community, what is keeping you up at night? Your messages remain anonymous. They stay in The Vault. To submit your confession, click on the link in the show notes. Welcome to the show. Kristen, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on with us no, today. Thank you. thank you for having me. So for everyone listening, I have Kristen Tapperell, the director of The Therapist Parent with us today. She's a psychologist with over 20 years of experience working with children and families. Wow. <laughs> that makes me sound um, old. Author, <laughs> uh, very knowledgeable. Uh, um, she's also an author and illustrator of the Dream Director books, um, plus offers a range of other products um, that support children from gratitude cards, mindfulness puzzles, and etc. So you are such a wealth of knowledge and expertise. So thank you again for joining us for this particular Vault episode. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> All right, so let's jump straight into the call. Hi, Leanne. Just found you recently and uh, binged all your episodes. It's great style. Looking forward to uh, this new format. I wanted to have a quick chat about what's on my mind as a parent. Uh, I have a three-year-old toddler. He's uh, driving me insane. Uh, don't get me wrong, I love him to bits, but uh, he never listens. Uh, it's like I'm talking to a brick wall. We bought him a new toddler's bed, but he gets up uh, what feels like 20 times a night. It feels as like he's intentionally cheeky, always pushing his brother, doing exactly the opposite of what I ask him to. I say quiet down and he gets louder. I say don't touch. And it'll go and touch stuff. What makes it more difficult is he's a bit of a mummy's boy. So when I try to give him dinner or get him in the bath, he's always screaming that he wants his mum. Uh, and if she comes over, he'll be fine with her. I just can't win. Uh, he's wearing me down. I feel like he's out to get me. I know deep down it's a phase, but I had no idea how challenging this time would be. Can anyone else relate? And uh, do you have any advice in? navigating this difficult phase with toddlers. Kristen, I feel like uh, this is, um, I feel like it's over to you. Do you <laughs> come across this oh, with clients absolutely. around the terrible threes? Absolutely, all the time. Yeah. And I've experienced it too. We, all, I think anyone can relate to that. You know, they do feel like they're yes. doing it on purpose and, and it does drive you crazy. And you have no idea how difficult it's going to be until you're a parent and they push every button. <laughs> That's right. And then adding sleep, yes, being sleep absolutely. deprived and everything else on top of that. It's really hard. Oh, it is really hard. But yes, this is. It's tough. I've got a. It's normal though. Commonplace, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, um, I've got a two and three year old. So this particular person, I'm just like, dude, you are speaking my mm. language. It is tough. Yeah. Um, and I feel like as soon as the little one hit three, Noah, he's my oldest, it just got worse. And I guess that's why they call it the terrible twos and threes for a reason. Um, I want to delve into some parts of this, uh, caller's confession just to sort of, um, maybe get some guidance from yourself. Yeah. So, Firstly, and I'm, we're very much experiencing this in our household as well, where everything is about mummy at the mm -hmm. moment and no mummy gives me my milk and mummy, daddy go away and blah, blah, blah. 
Firstly, why do kids do this? Uh Is this normal? Uh And what can we do about it to even the playing field? Okay, so yes, it is normal. Babies are actually wired to attach to one person. So we call it a diactic relationship, so like a dyad, there's two. So a child is wired to just mainly attach to that one person. That's a survival um, thing that we've got set up, that that person is the main person that looks after me, that feeds me. That So, yes, there's other people, there's other family members, there's other people around, but there's always going to be that one person that they will attach to the most. Now, usually it's mum because mum is often breastfeeding or feeding or spending the most time with them. So it is absolutely normal that Mm -hmm. they will, and it's important that they attach to that one person. So what we can do um, is, and it's really hard for dads, and I hear this a lot, because they're trying, they want to help, but the child just won't let them or won't settle with them. And they're trying, you know, they might get up through the night and try and settle, but they won't settle. So they may as well go back to bed because the mum needs them anyway. The best thing dads can do yeah. is just support mum mm. and understand that that relationship is normal, that it's important for that baby's brain development, that they do attach to one person and that they have that connection. So the best thing they can do is do the other things that need to be done so mum can have that time with that child. Now that's really important, Mm. definitely up to the age of three, even to five, there's there's still that need. At at three, they're starting to let other people in, but definitely till three, that one person is the main person and it's going to be really tricky. And I think the more parents and particularly dads understand it's not personal, it's not that they don't love them, it's just Mm. they need that relationship with that one person for now. It's not forever, but Mm. it is going to be for that time. So, yeah, dads need to sort of be yeah, aware so that there's other other things need to be done so that mum isn't worn out doing everything and maybe they can do some other things so that mum can yes. do that. The other thing, so like he's this caller that the child's three so and they've got a younger one too, just like you. <laughs> so it's, it's tricky. <laughs> so you've got two kids that really want mum. Um, so that's when you really need to, so dads, I find they tend to just pick up when things are really tricky and they can probably feel like they're forever correcting their child or they're forever just dealing with the hard stuff or they come in, you know, when it's, and they have to take the screaming kid because mum's trying to deal with the other kid. So as much as they can try and just build that connection, try and and just do some fun stuff, you know, like um, the research says that it even only takes 10 minutes, even once a week, more is better, where if the adult mm. will just be directed by that child to do whatever they want to do, then you're building yeah. connection. I don't mean like you know, they want to go get ice cream, so you go and buy them everything they want or, or anything like that, but just sit with yeah, them and yeah. play. And if they want you to pretend to be yeah. a cat 
then pretend to be a cat. Like, <laughs> you know. It's so, so true what you're saying there, even just as an example from my own life. Um, so, you know, hubby gets home from work. Yeah. He's often got a, maybe about half an hour leeway before we put the kids to sleep. And so what does he do? He reads them their books. Mm. Um, I'm cleaning dishes and doing whatever. And that's his yeah. time. So it's, as you said, just allocating whatever time you've yeah. got for, and they know with books, they race over to him because they know that that's his yeah. role, you know? Yeah. And in doing that, you're building that nice relationship, that connection where it's not just dad telling them what to do or dad's come in to fix this because no one else. So they're having some special time with that and having it as part of a routine is actually really important as well. Making sure that um, they know this is daddy time. You know, this is time we get to do yeah. something fun with dad and it's not it's not taken yes. away. It's not, you know, um, it's something they can rely on and they know dad is going to be there yes. for that. So, yes, yeah, so that's really good for building um, that relationship. And, look, mm. the other thing that you can do, so when a child is going, no, I want mummy to put me to bed and you're with the other one so you can't, mm. just go back mm. to, okay, validate the feelings. Try not to take it personally because it's not. It's not they don't love you. It's just they're connected to mum. But say, yeah, I get it. Mummy's really good at this, isn't she? I like doing things with mum too. She's great. And I have to help mum. So I'm going to do this with you now. So in that way, they feel heard. They feel validated. Mm. They get that you understand that they really want mum. And then you Mm. can move them on to the next thing. Yeah, I love that. That's such a good hot tip. And I'm thinking also about our same sex couples as well. Yep. And typically I'm, I'm assuming it would be a similar yep. thing where, you know, potentially one of the um, parents is the more, the one that is needed the most by the yep. children and the other person sort of feels like they're sidelined a little bit. So, I mean, all of these tips are so helpful, I guess, regardless of the, the your, yep. you know, the str- yep. gender and all of that within Absolutely. your relationship. And sometimes yeah. it's, it's grandma that's looking after the child mainly and yeah. You know, if all families are different, but yeah. there's always going to be one mm-hmm. for that young age yeah. that the child has to attach to. And that's a really important part of their brain development is to attach to that one person. So we don't want to break that. We want to support it. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit more why is it important for their brain development? Because what they're doing, we're, they're wiring for... Um, their brain is wiring for their needs and they're feeling like they're getting their needs met. This one person is coming in and this will, they're the ones they attune to, they're the ones they're learning from. Now, if that's changing all the time, then that can't happen as well as it should. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That's so interesting and such a good way to put it. I mean, it's not just that it, they're doing it on purpose to drive us nuts. Yeah. There's actually a method to the madness. Yeah, or, or all of kids' <laughs> behaviour. There's usually a reason for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right, I want to talk about another thing this caller mm. mentioned, which is the fact that kids just don't bloody listen and it's so frustrating and it's almost like they love the reaction that they might get from the parent when they aren't 
listening and they are doing the wrong mm. thing. Sometimes, as you said, you feel like you're just barking orders mm. half the time. And I find that I, I see myself doing that and I go, wow, this is happening. So I try to distract. So I go, okay, well, he's not listening to me in this scenario. So, hey, let's go pick up this toy or help mum with this. Or, you know, I just distract because I'm just not getting the reaction out of him that I'm desiring. Um, I'm curious, what other tips and tricks can we be using when we are barking those orders or don't touch that and, oh, you could, don't push your brother and, oh, over here, I've got to get your clothes on. Oh, you don't want to come over here. Hurry up. I've got to go. Like you're constantly just yeah. barking at yeah. them. What? How could we be doing it in a way that is better received by the toddler? Okay. So first thing is try not to use don't. So if I say to you now, don't think about chocolate, what did you just think of? Chocolate. Mm. So if you're saying, <laughs> yeah, don't be so loud, what you're actually doing is tuning them mm. into be loud because the brain can't not think of something. If you've said don't do this, the brain automatically goes to that. Mm. And young children don't have impulse control. So they don't think, okay, mum said stop. I need to stop because this might happen. All they heard, be loud <laughs> mm. or touch or <laughs> right. everything that you've said don't do. Mm. So as much as possible, try not to mm. do, don't do this, don't do that. So they just can't, can't do it. So instead, you know, you, you could go, okay, and it's hard because, you know, parents are, busy and time poor and stressed and got a lot going on, but as much as you can sort of go over to them instead of saying, um, don't be so loud, you can go, go over, don't yell from another room <laughs> as much as you can <laughs> um, because, you know, nobody likes to have orders barked at them. Just like you said, you know, we're forever saying, don't do this, don't do that, um, come here, rush, do this. Mm. I mean, no adult likes to have that. Eventually you're going to switch off if you're constantly having orders. Mm. So as much as you can, go over to them and get their attention. And instead of just giving them the direction, try and get them to see, go, wow, it's really loud. When it's loud, this happens. we might wake your brother. What happens if we wake your brother? Mm. What should we do? And try and get them to come up with a decision. Now, I know that's not quick. <laughs> And you can't do that all the time. But as much as you can, you want them to be seeing why we're saying this. Because when we try and get them to problem solve and to work it out, what we're actually doing is helping their thinking part of their brain to develop. So the frontal cortex of their brain. So that's our logical um, part of the brain that helps with impulse control and helps with all of those things that we want so instead of just telling them what to do, we kind of get them involved in it so that they can see it's not just, we're not just trying to make life not fun. We're giving it to them for a reason. Mm. Yeah. So what about the approach of um, rather, because be loud, like being too loud is such a thing in our household. Like, you know, you finish your day at work, all you want is peace and quiet. You've got these two kids trying to compete over who's talking the loudest and who's pushing cars and it's just chaos, mm. right? So for me, I'm, I'm often like, can we, uh, inside voices, like inside voices, that's too loud inside voices. That's often what I'll say. So maybe instead, should I be encouraging, using more language like, um, you know, 
wouldn't because I'm just trying to think what's the consequence of being loud they're both up it's not like I can say oh the baby's sleeping have a think about so what would you say in that look I think make it fun I mean you could go oh this hurts my ears it's Mm. so loud but then make it fun and, and pretend they've got a volume switch oh your volume's up this high. I need to turn it down. Turn it down. Um, oh, now okay. we're down. And then they'll they'll probably joke and go up again. Oh, not down again. And you know, just make it fun. You know, we don't have to be. Right. They don't want to feel like they're in trouble all the time. You don't want them to feel like they're in trouble all the time either. So if you can make a game out of most mm. things, you're more likely to get an outcome mm. that you want. Yeah, that's so true. And the first thing that comes to mind is, I mean, a lot of our listeners, they have children under the age of five. They are working parents. We are bloody exhausted. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, and so, um, to think about the best fun, positive approach in that moment might be quite difficult, yeah. right? You've had a bad yeah. day at work. You're over it. You're trying to feed the kids. They're not listening, blah, blah, blah. So how can we as parents get into, I guess, a better mental headspace when we often feel so fragile. And I find the last couple of hours of the day before the children go to sleep, the hardest, um, the hardest to parent, the hardest to be the best version of myself. I'm just over it, right? I just like go to bed, eat, go to bed so I can chill out, you know? So in those really (laughs) tough moments, like are there things that we can be mindful of that can maybe help us snap out of the frazzledness of it all and, and, and parent in a better way? Look, I think if you have, I mean, we're we're all going to snap and we're all going to do that sometimes. Like it's you're human, that's that's going to happen. Um, it takes practice. The more you sort of get used to doing some game sort of ways of dealing with it or the more you kind of practice at stopping and calming yourself first, the better you get at it. It's not something that you'll do straight away. Um, but, you know, it can help to have some, some sort of mantras through your head. They're not doing it on purpose. This is normal. Um, They're not developed enough to be able to manage their emotions yet. This is not personal. Um, My job is to help them through. So it's kind of if if you've got those to go to sort of mantras in your head, it can be helpful. But you know what? Sometimes you need to take time out. So you, sometimes you have to say to your kids, and, it, you know, it depends on their age and how safe they are alone, but you, you might have to say, okay, mum really needs to calm down because I'm going to say and do things I don't want to do. So I'm going to take a break for five minutes, and when I'm a bit calmer, I'll come back. There is absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. It's actually a really positive thing to do because you're modelling to your child that when we feel overwhelmed, we need to take a break. That's fine. But you know what? That's great. Life is hard sometimes. And the important thing (laughs) is if you do lose it and you do, you know, rant and rave, maybe at bedtime um, when things are calm, I go, oh, mum really lost it today. I'm sorry I yelled. What can we do to make things better next Mm. time? And if you're getting them involved, you know, you can say next time I'm going to try and stop and take a breath to calm. Is there anything else that you could do? Mm. And then they could come up with ideas and together you work it out. Mm. That way they've got strategies, you've got strategies, and they learn that it's okay. We all make mistakes 
and we move, we can forgive mm. each other and move on. Yeah, I love that. And I've done it. I mean, I didn't really grow up in that way where parents sort of apologize for their behavior, but I've heard, I've read a lot about that. And so I do try to do that when I've lost the plot later on, I'll come back and say, I'm sorry, that was poor behavior. And, <laughs> you know, mum's upset because of X, Y, Z. And I think you're right. Just the more you do that, um, the more you're sort of modeling the best behavior that you, you can, because we all certainly have moments. I want to touch on the fact that Okay, so if there's two people in the couple and you're at home and everyone's a bit frazzled and someone snapped and now you're annoyed at your husband too or your partner too, um, tell me a bit about the, not the dangers, but I guess the best way to um, manage conflict within that relationship when children are around. It's just something I was thinking about as you were talking because, I mean, you hear of the ones where it's like, some people are like, we never fight around the kids and others who are like, no, my kids need to build resilience. They're not going to think we're in a perfect household. So yeah, they're going to sometimes hear us have an argument and other people who will say, we'll have it, we'll snap at each other. But if there's something serious, we'll always park it for later. Yeah. You know, what I'm curious, like what danger is there in arguing in front of your children? Okay. Well, it depends. Like you said, there's different levels of an argument. There's different levels of disagreement. Yes. So if it's just a disagreement, mm. you know, it's, it's fine for kids to see that parents can disagree. They can have a conversation without it getting scary. So if, but if it's getting to the point where there's yelling and there's behavior that, you know, could be seen by our children as quite scary, then yeah, that is, that, that can be dangerous because a child um, will be put in a state of anxiety of what's going on. My, people that keep me safe aren't acting safe. And they also very, mm-hmm. kids are very egocentric. The world revolves around them. So what did I do? Why is this happening? My parents are arguing. What is it my fault? Mm-hmm. So we do have to be careful. Yes, it's good for kids to see that we can disagree and that we can work things out. That is fantastic. But no, they don't need to see yelling, shouting or anything, any kind of abusive sort of um, behaviour. Because I guess ultimately that's, you know, they always say what happens in your childhood will sort of, will essentially um, become what, you you know, as an adult, the the insecurities that you have as a child and all of the other things, they will sort of continue to grow with you. And as Mm. an adult, they'll be your trigger points and they'll be your, you know, so I guess, as you said, without wanting to be a you know, no one can be perfect. No. We all have moments yeah. and everything like that. But from what I'm hearing, it's just being mindful yes. of the environment that you want your children to be yes, in. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And if you can sort of, mm. yes, have have some sort of disagreement, then I, I agree with the let's park mm. it for later, okay? We're not agreeing on this. Mm. Let's talk about it when we've got some more time away from the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Um, one of the other things, one of the last things the caller brought up was around the bedtime and the toddler bed. And this is a very big thing, particularly for myself too, with our three-year-old loves to hop out of bed a million times before eventually falling asleep. And it's very frustrating because I mean, I've got a very short window in which I then go to sleep. I like to lie in bed, read my book, just chill out for a full five minutes before falling asleep. And often I'm in and out of bed and then my five minutes are up and I have haven't even read my book. So it becomes internally frustrating as well. So how is there, a, I mean, is there a good way in which to handle the ups and downs of the toddler bed? Like what, what would you suggest? Uh, look, there are a few things that you can do to make things a bit easier, a bit smoother. But again, you've got to 
kind of come to terms with this as normal behaviour as well. Um, not many kids are going to just go, okay, good night and go to bed. <laughs> and they're probably going to um, get up as well. Um, a few different things. So separa- separating from mum and dad or whoever is, is a really hard thing to do. Sleep can actually be a scary thing that they're going to another room away from the person that keeps them safe and protected. Um, and then they're asleep in this other room. Like that doesn't always make sense to little kids. Um, and fair enough. So you've got to acknowledge that there could be some anxiety around that as well, that they have to go away from their parent and fall asleep. The other thing is like with waking through the night, when children go through a stage of development, they're more likely to wake up. When their brain is growing, they're more likely to have more frequent wakes. So we know like when little babies start to roll over, that's when they'll start waking up again. And again, when they start to crawl and again, when they start to walk, it's those big stages of development and that growth in the brain, they actually, their sleep cycles are quicker. Um, so they're more likely to wake up. So there could be physical reasons why they're they're waking up. It could be anxiety why they're coming out and not settling well. So we do need to look behind the behaviour and see what's going on. But then, I mean, it, otherwise it just comes back to, you know, having your routine, make sure that it, there's real calming time before bed, make sure you've got lots of connection time before bed so they don't feel like they've missed out on time with you and now they have to go to sleep. Um, making sure you're avoiding screens before bed because the blue light and the screens, it interrupts, you know, melatonin and, and being able to, able to fall asleep. So that actually is important. So you can do all of those things, but really it's it's looking at why they're coming out. What's what's the issue? Is it just they're having trouble settling? If, it's, if they're having trouble settling, well, what can you put in place that will help them calm and can you do a relaxation together before they go to sleep or or something that makes them feel good? Put on some music that they like and that's their wind down time. Are they anxious? Well, what are they anxious about? What what are they worried might happen? And you can kind of work through that. But you know what? It's kind of normal. Yeah. <laughs> and at what point, I mean, from your experience and your expertise, like at what point do they start being able to go to sleep and not getting up? <laughs> like, you know, and particularly, you know, not getting up as soon as you've put them to sleep. Like what have you noticed? Every child's different, but it, those mm. those toddler years are a bit tricky like that. It's more, let's say, probably around the five age that they're more likely to just be in that routine and, and learn that it's okay yeah. to just go to sleep. Yeah. But yeah, early years, it's, yeah. it's tricky. Yeah. And I think that sums it up as far as, you know, this, this particular confession that came through. It's tricky. We're all experiencing it. It's all very normal and drink wine. Or, <laughs> do what you need to do. Do your meditations <laughs> or whatever it's going to get you <laughs> to get through. No, but, um, but no, thank you so much, Kristen, again, for your time. I think there's so many great hot tips there. I certainly have learned a lot from you and hopefully that supported, um, our listeners too. So really appreciate your time today. How can people find out more about you and your work? Oh, sure. So I'm on um, Instagram and Facebook just as The Therapist Parent and my website is thetherapistparent.com. There's lots of information there. Love it. I'll pop those details in the episode notes. Yeah, perfect. Thank you again, Kristen. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and share it with your friends. Want to contribute to the conversation? Hit us up on Instagram at Parenthood Pod and join our Facebook group. Netflix on the show. You're just going to argue, argue, and then push it down and push it down and I'm not talking to you. Yeah. And it can get really toxic. Yes. If you use, if you look at your relationship and you're like, okay, we're tired, we're arguing, we're bickering, what's going on? And that can be a catalyst for some really good open conversation. Until next time. Thanks for listening. The Parenthood Podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we produce on, the land of the Wurundjeri people. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging.